0: Hello and welcome to the Sound and Picture podcast where we invite different audio and visual artists as well as managers and entrepreneurs from the art field. My name is Yawr Smiach. I'm the host. Uh, I also make and teach music and today I invited Angel Simichev also from Bulgaria where we're based. Uh, he's a man of many faces, a musician, a writer, a teacher and a label owner. So nice to meet you, man. How are you? Yeah, doing? nice to see you. Nice to see you. So yeah, tell us a bit more about yourself. You you do really a lot of stuff. I guess your core thing is making music.
1: Yeah, that's that's been uh, a big part of my life since I don't know maybe over fifteen years now, and. Uh, uh, when I introduce myself, I always like focus on on uh, on on this that I come from the uh hardcore punk and and metal scene because it's um it 's something that 's has uh, been very important for me not only in musical terms but also in how how i how I deal with things and how i organize my whole existence in the in in the music and in the in the artwork world i i really I find it important to to follow very uh very strict like do do it yourself ethics to be as much uh independent uh, as possible from uh I don't know any external factors that might limit what I can do and what I what I create so that's that's uh that's pretty much um how I try to to run everything that I do. I I do a lot of music uh, with many different projects. I'm involved in electronic music. Uh, I've done many many projects. Like I've uh, done music uh, under the name My Trip. I do as uh, r- right now as Dying. Uh, I also have played in various uh, punk punk bands. Right now I I play only uh, bass in in a band called Expectations. And uh, besides that I. I teach sound art in the National Academy of Arts for almost 10 years now uh, which has been fun because it's uh, I don't know it's it's challenging uh, it's a challenging thing to to make mostly artists and and painters and scenographers and
0: yeah to make
1: weird music <laughs> yeah it's
0: surprising yeah. that actually there is um, a course for sound in the visual arts university here
1: it's um wow it's it's under it's understandable because it's a uh, part of uh, of, an, of a master's program called digital arts and like sound art is a very big uh, movement in in digital arts but the the most weird thing is that there is no analog course in experimental music and in um uh in more electronic uh, music direction in the music academy which is which is a big problem there used to be one a uh, masters program that i i had the, the luck to to finish uh, uh many years ago but it slowly disintegrated and and it it fell apart so mm, i i know only one, one, uh, one person r- right now in the academy trying to to make something more different uh, and she's uh, uh she's called um Anis Vinarova and she's teaching uh sound synthesis so this is the only thing that it's a bit more Contemporary, you know, outside of uh, sound engineering and such disciplines that they study. So I'm 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 happy that I have this chance to to teach something that is very uh, dear to to me in uh, in actually in uh, in context that it's not so audio and 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 music like oriented. Because for example, in the National Academy, you cannot graduate with with only a sound uh, uh, work. It has to have a visual aspect to it. So it's a bit
0: of... Yeah, Yeah, just to clarify, this is the National Academy of Visual Arts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has a a sound course. And and what is, like, the the basis of sound art? Is it, like, sound design for visual stuff or... Yeah, it's
1: it's a bit complicated because, like, I've kind of made this, like, curriculum myself and I'm a musician and composer and sound designer and stuff like that, but I'm not really a sound artist I, I don't have like um, uh, I haven't done like audio installations or I've, I've worked on installations for other people but um, like sound art is a very specific field whose idea is to treat sound as a material the same way as you treat paint or clay or s- stuff like that so while our course is called sound art it's it's way more than this because we teach some uh, like history basics like of 20th century music uh, we teach some some stuff about music uh, philosophy and then we teach like uh, very basic sound editing practices uh, mixing practices uh, collage techniques it, it's a very it's a very diverse course which aims at um, allowing uh, people from visual arts backgrounds to to build uh this culture and knowledge of sound, so it it gives them the the skills to to create sound for for their own works, but also to be able to speak about sound in a proper way and sound in music to mm-hmm. to collaborators. Because I've seen in, in my work that sometimes movie makers, uh, video artists, uh, people like this, they see sound as something necessary, as added value to their project, but they don't uh fully grasp its power because sound can be can add like a very very big and important layer to 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 this work and i think this is this is even more important than the the practical skills of being able to cut and produce your own own uh, uh sound and you know, own music it is to to have this like understanding what sound is capable of so so you can use it to to its maximum in your own works
0: yeah, exactly. And if you know what uh, what you're talking about, you can more easily convey your ideas to yeah. the musician who is gonna make your yeah, who's gonna make like fifty percent of yeah of of, of, of your work in, yeah, in of the end. Your, exactly, mm-hmm.
1: exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's interesting. We have uh, also Ivan Shopov who is teaching uh, um, one semester. He's teaching uh, analog and digital sound design which which means that we have not one but two sound courses in this uh in this master so it's uh and and, and in recent years we've actually seen people who are coming like from from musician backgrounds and they're coming to this um uh masters uh like a big reason to to join the masters is because of the sound courses Mm -hmm. which is very flattering i guess to to us and uh it, it shows that there is a potentials in courses and programs like this, and there should be one in the, you know, in the Human Theater Academy. There should be definitely one in the music academy. So,
0: yeah, especially
1: in the music academies. Yeah, it's people crazy. who, yeah. people who run these institutions, hire us. <laughs> yeah, 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 they need to upgrade their. Yeah, their program. Yeah, everything. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: And you teach it in Ableton or no? Uh, or there isn't like a specific. Uh, there isn't
1: software? a specific. I show. I show a lot of Ableton. Uh few years ago, uh, I contacted Ableton, and they were very kind to to provide us with a few refurbished uh, push controllers and stuff like that and uh, some demo versions of Ableton. Um, but I, I, I show them a lot of Audacity. I show them Reaper because they're free because, you know, not not everyone can afford to, to get like a full version of Reaper or stuff like that. And I don't want to ask people to... To crack software and stuff like that, because it's, it's
0: yeah, and especially possible. if they, they plan to build careers in visuals, they'll invest in those.
1: They have, yeah. And, and there is like this, um, like this whole master's program. It's very software in, intense. And in the first two semester, they, they, uh, they study Resolum. They study pro- programming. They study, I think, touch designer. Um, so it's, um They study also three uh, D printing, so it's like four or five different programs, and then on top of this, I come with with a few like sound editors and DAWs and stuff like that. So it's it's a bit. I try to I don't know to not accentuate that much on uh, whatever tools they're using, but on 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 the idea. So I, I I don't know I motivate everybody to start recording stuff on their phones and start playing there's plenty of apps that you can i don't know you can get koala for like 10, 10 euros or something like that you can get Ableton note
0: yeah and you said that you reach out to ableton and they sent like yeah push yeah, yeah so like um is it like easy to to reach out to the company itself ableton or are they like uh, they were
1: very very um It it happened really fast. I told them, yeah, I'm part of this. Um, They were um, asking people who are now using their old controllers to give them to send them back to Ableton, and they get the new one with a discount. Mm. And they refurbished the uh, the old ones, and they they had this um, educational initiative, and they sent to you know mostly third world countries, but you can. You can say Bulgaria is kind of like a 2.5 world country, so so it it was very very easy, and they didn't want any anything like to report on how we use them and,
0: and stuff like that. And, yeah, yeah. And now we're uh, talking about them, so it's like yeah, yeah, they're winning, representing. They <laughs> Uh Yeah, that's that's very cool. Do you have musical background, or are you self-taught, or you went to music musician school? I'm I'm
1: self-taught. Like I've my my bachelor's is in international economics, mm. but uh, I when I was finishing finishing this in 2011, I saw that uh, there is this program in, in in the music academy that I told you about. It was called Media Music uh media composition and electroacoustic music and it was uh, basically two year course that uh is focused on creating music for theater film and also like more electroacoustic experimental music and you can uh, be accepted uh, there uh only with a portfolio because it was it was paid uh program you had to pay the full fee i think only one had like this state kind of scholarship uh and they accepted me it was pretty expensive you know for me uh had to take a student loan and stuff like that to make it happen i studied uh between 2011 and 2013 uh, and maybe three or four years after after i finished like um, the professor like one of the founders of this um program he sadly passed away because he was old and with like um very uh poor health and it slowly slowly disappeared uh, because there was no interest from from students nobody was applying they had like a lack of um uh, people who are teaching these subjects and it was this this was like the the closest i i have to 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 music music education but it was very very useful for me because i studied harmony i studied i studied jazz harmony i had two years of you know Piano, which, I don't know, it, it, it told me a little bit about, about music, but it kind of, um, many people who come from, um, who are self taught, they tend to fully discard, uh, music theory as something that is like brainwashing them and putting their mind into frames. And it's actually not, not like that. If you are, if you study music theory when you are old enough to kind of understand its potential and its, pluses you know you can very very well use it to advantage to i don't know when you're stuck when the muse is not coming to you you know in a Mm -hmm. supernatural way you can always get around thanks to to these rules that somebody smarter than us has has established so i don't know for me the the truth is like somewhere between Mm -hmm. between this like total freedom and then the rules
0: yeah and i guess also it really depends when you start um, learning the theory and all that if you started like four years old maybe you have totally different mindset when you're like uh, 20 25
1: yeah that that's totally true but but when you're when you're young and you start studying music and everything you kind of um i don't know you studied it like like music is a language and uh all these like practical things of like Reading sheet music and stuff like that. This is very naturally mm. ingrained in your brain, and if you study it uh, at an, an older age, I don't know. For for me at difficult. least, yeah, it's more difficult too because your brain is already full with other useless information. So you have to practice and like write it down, like if you're in high school, and who has the time to do this? Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, yeah. So it's it's tricky. Mm. It's, it's tricky
0: yeah same as most things like same as languages it's best to learn them when you're when you're a smaller ancient yeah
1: yeah 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 but yeah, I think if you if you really want to to learn something and to to make use of it, there's plenty of ways and right now it's with with ableton and with so many online courses there there are plenty of opportunities to learn even basic music theory, and I think it will help many people to overcome their kind of limits are you Self-taught or have you studied music?
0: I yeah, I am, uh, I am also self-taught, uh-huh. like completely. And um, I also started uh, teaching music production and uh, sound engineering, like mix and mastering here. We're actually in the Sound Ninja Academy studio. It's a studio where we also teach music. We also teach it online. So if you're interested, just hit us up. But that's actually like I started teaching two years ago or three already at the beginning of the pandemic and uh, that's when i started reading more about theory because i also have to um, to teach that but yep. before that i didn't know anything and um, i was just um, yeah i just sat in front of my midi keyboard and i played whatever comes to mind just improvising different uh, things but um, yeah i should have learned uh, music theory i also started around like yeah 15 years ago and mm just got my first MIDI keyboard. Back then, I also listened to uh, mostly metal, death metal and black metal. Yeah, to the way, same. <laughs> to be precise. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it's interesting that a lot of people start uh, with this genre. I guess when you're a teenager, it's like... Yeah, it's you have
1: to cool. find a way to channel this teenage anger or stuff like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that teaching also taught me music. That's
1: the way. best thing of, about teaching is that you get to explain a lot of stuff to yourself first before explaining it to to others and and it, it gives you like a way to um, a reason to to hear things that you kind of know like in your mind you he- you get to hear them aloud and mm. it connects the dot in the dots in your own head which is for me it's uh, uh i don't know it's 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 super super important
0: yeah, and again, you can communicate if you have the knowledge with other musicians um, Absolutely. in the process of collaboration. When I was um, learning more about theory, I actually discovered it. it just describes what I've been doing all the years before that. But yeah. It just describes it in words, in and I haven't thought about putting it in words before that. Yeah,
1: it's... Um like the uh, the whole the whole system of about like harmony and and everything it it comes from you know the the nature of overtone series and it's like a, it's like a physical phenomenon that happens with sound anyhow so mm. people just put it in 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 practice and I mean it's like Western music theory for sure it's not uh, it's not enough to describe all the music that is there in the world but it's a it's a good starting point to to get a a bit more knowledge and um understanding about what is actually happening especially if you are interested in starting to 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 create to create music so yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's an
0: interesting and did you learn playing the bass yourself as well yeah yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> i i i i play the bass like uh, you know the the bare minimum like I'm uh uh I'm not interested in like um playing the the bass for how to say for fun. I uh,
0: Just for bands. I play
1: record. I play when I have to play, you know, when I when I'm recording an album or making tracks with, with uh with a band or when I have a show and stuff like that. It's just I don't practice it, you know, alone in my room. Boom 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 boom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not it's not uh it's not funny for me, but this is why I I don't consider myself like a like a, a a real bass player, you know. I'm just I'm a bass player in a punk band, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But actually, it's probably the biggest punk band in Bulgaria, right? Or... Well,
1: uh, I wouldn't say like the biggest, but it's one of the the most the most known, and we've been around for I don't know 13 years or something like that. We this this like last year we released our. Fourth album, I think, mm-hmm. and on vinyl for, as well. Yeah, on vinyl as well, and um, for a hardcore band to to have like four four albums that that's quite the you know the achievement because usually hardcore bands like put out a demo, put out an album, this band, and move move on to to other things. So for sure, one of the one of the most most pr- productive ones around. We've done like plenty of like tours in. I don't know tours in Europe. I had like I don't know how many years. Like for the for the second album, I I wasn't in the band because I I quit after the the second Euro tour because I was I don't know I quit all the bands that I was involved to to focus more on my my own music. But then after some years, I got back. And we made the third album, and now we made the fourth album and stuff like that. So,
0: and you balance the the this hardcore sound with ambient for your own project. It's-
1: yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, sometimes I kind of, kind of miss like playing life with, uh, like on a loud volume and with, with instruments that actually you can, um, I don't know, put some physical pressure and this, like, you can only press a button on your keyboard, you know, with, however hard you push it, it, it makes, uh, sound loud. According to to the settings, you know, you mm. you cannot uh, you cannot smash it on stage and and make this hearable for for the audience. But you can I don't know you can smash a piano or you can rip a guitar apart and people will hear the result from this you know sonic destruction. So this is something that kind of sometimes I'm missing when I'm uh, because ambient is is like a bit quieter experience even though the way I I make ambient music is to be listened like as loud as possible so it's also quite an aggressive experience uh, again but it, it has its limits while with with rock music it's I don't know I don't know you don't you don't have this
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Threshold, yeah. yeah. In ambient, do you still use a metronome, a time signature, or do you go outside of this?
1: Not really. I mean, uh, like the um, like my my last uh, my trip album, it was very, it was very loop based. So I kind of made the whole album out of uh, out of loops that I that I made on like uh, analog four uh, synthesizer by Electron, and then I. Kind of made made these loops. I purposely like uh, raised the tempo to to the maximum. Like all tracks were like in over 200 BPM, and I really? tried to to make the loops as slow as possible on this super high tempo, just to mm-hmm. see what's mm-hmm. up. And then the result is that you have this looping sound, but from time to time it glitches and it and it breaks because there is simply no time for all the the notes to be like fully. I don't yeah. know, played. Yeah. So it's like these very measured loops that they are actually broken. So this was like the most measured I, I went into, into music, um, into my music. But um, I record a big part of the the music live uh, or sketch it live and then I record it as, as audio files. I don't really use MIDI. I mostly work with, with audio. I, I either sample it on the DigiTact or, or, or on the SP or something like that, and and then I work with this with these with these samples. So I don't really have like the the BPM is just something that I use, as as I told you in like as a uh, as an effect, as a, as an instrument itself, not to to measure by it. And like uh, um, when I'm arranging the like all these recorded bits, I work on uh, i use the grids <laughs> as a as a visual reference at least in my in my own works because for example i have this project with uh stefan bacharov from siberian that's called vague voices which is very rhythmical and um it's we have like the ver- tracks that are very like beat oriented where we where we follow the bpms and we have like um everybody's playing in the um in the same key, you know, and uh, we follow more rules there. Our music is either super loose, born in, born out of like uh, modular in jams, combined with like field recordings, found sounds, and stuff like that.
0: Mostly out of the box.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the other half of the music is very like grid-based and like super punchy and rhythmic and and aggressive. So, so I kind of am... I'm not interested in like setting some rules for myself, not to, to say like I will never use the grid, you know, I, I switch it off and, uh, uh, I'm interested in like challenging myself for, for, for each project. And this is why I, I have so, so many different projects that I'm part of just to, to explore different sides of, of music.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. So yeah, one of the the topics the topics that uh, I would really like to explore in in the podcast in general is like um, I would like to invite more and more uh, label owners and see how they manage their labels. So you you actually have a, your own label? It's called Amec.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Amec Collective is a is a label that actually started as a, a booking collective. This year, it makes uh, fifteen years of existence. Which is uh, I don't know how how fast the time passed. Amek was actually started by by a dear friend called uh, Martin Lukanov. In the beginning, he was booking like no noise, sh- noise shows in in Sofia in damp basements and in whatever place they they were willing to 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 book book them. I had my own like uh, tiny net label that I was running called called ODP no longer active but i started helping him out with posters and i would like write emails to to some websites to promote these events and then he would book me to place on uh, to play on some of the shows and then i kind of became uh, became part of this like naturally four or five years later i had this idea to uh, to start releasing music of our own stuff because like we we sent demos to so people are ab- abroad and like nobody would care and we and i talked to to a friend here in sofia who was uh, who is running this label called corvus records it's a very old like industrial label from from sofia and because i sent him some music and he told me why do you need me you, you can do it yourself and i was like yeah i can do it myself as as i would do it with my band and and uh, this is uh, when we started like doing tapes um and then we, we slowly started inviting some friends to, to release their tapes because I see that not every musician is interested in, in this part of like caring about the artwork, caring about the mixing or the mastering on like promoting it or selling it and stuff like that. And we're like, yeah, we have some, I don't know, a small audience here in Sofia, some friends from abroad who, who know us from shows and maybe we can do it. And it's, slowly slowly grew and like amek is is in no way a business it's uh it's self-sustained so we no longer have to to invest money in it all the money that it generates goes towards new events new releases and like expenses that are tied to to all this and i'm really happy that we are in a we've reached like a, a position where um it's as I said. It's it's self-sustainable. When I want to to have somebody to to make an artwork for a tape, I can pay them like a small amount for their work. If I want somebody to master it, we can afford to pay for for this. It's no longer you know do me a favor type of thing. And we have some releases that uh, when when they. As the break even point which with tape releases is very difficult because like the margin is like super small mm-hmm. uh you barely make like profit, but some releases have have done well and we can we can give like this this profit to to the artists and they can get something that i don't know maybe motivate them to to keep making music and but but like profit and money and this is not at all like the the purpose of of this this label, this is uh, the the purpose of Amec is to. It's more like a a family thing where we are like a very close. This is why we call it Amec Collective because it really is a collective. You know, it's uh, it's a tight knit group of people who who create music, who exchange. You know. We send each other uh, sketches, demos. We discuss the stuff we're doing. We invite collaborators. We, I don't know, kind of s- uh, support each other, and we kind of make a s- this tiny statement that like this music is like coming from this part of the world, and uh, you are welcome to to experience it. You're, I don't know, welcome to to come to a show and see what what we're up to. It's not like a, we're not getting rich from from this, but we're not we're not losing money anymore from it because like Amec was originally started by Martin who who was like investing like a lot of his personal uh, finances to, to invite artists here who are doing like music that nobody cared in Bulgaria, like harsh noise acts and stuff like that, like very difficult stuff to, to listen. We gradually like soften it a bit and started exploring more like ambient and drone, a bit more, you know, listener friendly stuff which attracted more people to to what we're doing but a lot of um, a lot of the like the initial money that was like invested in this whole operation was him selling records from his own collection and like using the money to make our own tapes and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. very very diy <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and i guess um, even if you wanted to make it um, a business where you earn your living with it do you think it's possible to earn a living from such an um, indie yeah, niche, genre and um, I
1: don't think so I don't think yeah. so yeah. Even if we Because uh, cause we've thought Many times to What would be to, to start A proper label, you know Go to the agency Register it as a Business, as a company, stuff like that But I think we wouldn't be able to do it Only with The artists that we would like to work with unknown and with uh, upcoming and, uh, with smaller artists and it will kind of limit our freedom in what, what we'll be able to release because you have to, you, you say to yourself, yeah, maybe for this release, we'll invite something, somebody more known, uh, who will be able to sell like 200 records, like in, in no time. And maybe with the money from this, like, more known release, will be able to release something more unknown and something more experimental. And I kind of don't want to to do this, uh, to be limited in this way. And uh, I would, I would, I would like to be able to do it, but it would be a completely different different project where I would have to consider way more way more things. And it would be again like a struggle because the. At least in my view, like the Western world, but the Eastern world as well, is not really interested in in, in what's happening in like on the Balkans or like. Uh, so maybe you get lucky once in a lifetime, and somebody somebody notices, and then you have your breakthrough. But most of the time, it's like grinding a lot just to be able to 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 get hurt, you know
0: yeah and even like sometimes i send some some tracks to other labels and i'm really hesitant to mention that i'm from bulgaria i just want to skip that and see how if they'll treat it in a different way yeah yeah. if they think i'm from the uk maybe i'll get completely different yeah that's um,
1: that's a very sad thing but it's it's actually it's actually true because uh there is like um I don't know. People are kind of like predisposed to people from from the Balkans. There's like multiple reasons why why this is uh happening, but I've learned through to live with this and uh, I I watched a very cool documentary about um I forgot the name of um, some Russian like lo-fi house uh collective and they said a very cool thing that um like the US or the the UK they uh their markets they don't need another Russian producer. But the local scene needs these people to keep making things mm. and to to make their own things and they want to, to see them and they want to go to shows and stuff like that. And this is something that I'm noticing here. Even that somebody in the, in, in the UK might not be interested in what we're doing, the people here are growing more and more interested in what we're doing. And for me, this is, uh, this is more important, not from, you know, by no means from any like nationalist or whatever patriotic yeah, yeah. point of view i don't care about this shit i don't care about borders or or whatever but uh, it has happened to me so many times i'm booking a show here in sofia let's say in fabric autonomia very diy self-funded space we have like 60 70 people on an ambient show on the next day I, I fly to london and i play in in a hipster neighborhood like hackney or whatever and there's like 70 people in the crowd and I'm like, still st- the same thing. Scratching my head, and I'm saying, no, not not 70 as in Bulgaria, 17. Ah, okay. And I'm like, okay. huh, so maybe maybe the stuff that we built in Bulgaria is not that bad actually, mm. because people are like more passionate, they care more, and they they understand that um, if they don't come to this show. These shows will stop happening in the future. So they have to support it now, like in, in this particular moment. If you are in London or in Berlin or whatever, there's like 30, p- 30 things happening in the same time, in the same day. So yeah. you cannot be everywhere. You cannot afford to be everywhere. So this leads to having like less and less people people on shows. So it's tricky. Yeah.
0: It's, it's more easy to stand out here, actually. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, and how many people are you in Amec in terms of the management, organizational thing, like uh, organizing the, basically the whole process of releasing?
1: All organizational matters are uh, handled by me and Martin. And we have, um, I don't know, maybe 10 artists who we work all the time with in different configurations. And we have a few, like, very trusted people, like, uh, like designers, less, uh, like, uh, Nikola Kostov or Georgi Sharov, who are, um, like, almost resident mm. designers mm. who do a lot of our artworks, a lot of our posters. I do many of the artworks myself as well. Also, like, Silvana Ilyeva, she's an artist. She, she does also a lot of the artworks that are, like, actually painted and stuff like that. And, um... Most of our mastering is handled by Marius Kustak in, in Bucharest, a, a mm. very good good friend of ours. Ivan Shopov also does, besides like releasing tracks uh, with Amek from time to time, and he, he does uh, some mixing and mastering for us as well. So we try to we try to really keep it local and um, to I don't know to to make not only music from this. Area and from this circle of people heard, but also art and and work in general, and uh, because you know um, in music recently it's been uh, it's been quite the the flex to to have to to say like yeah my album was mastered by somebody and somebody from. I don't know, from Australia or from, from, from the USA. But for me, it's, uh, it's more interesting to say, yeah, my album was mastered by my friend, who knows my music for like 10 years. This is for me more, more interesting, not to be trying to add value to my work uh, through somebody else's name.
0: And how do you scout new artists um, can they send you music or it's you prefer to approach them yourself
1: I prefer to I prefer to approach uh, approach people myself because like everywhere on on our website we we say no demos please Yeah I have seen Yeah them. and it's a very it's a bit kind of you know a nice holish thing to say but I've uh, I've seen uh, I don't know some some terrible stuff sent my way by very kind of dis- disrespectful people. Like, why would you... I don't know, uh, artists in Germany st- sending me like already finished albums with finished concepts and artworks or whatever and we are just like uh, a money bank for them to to make the release happen and we're in no way involved in the process. And, and for me, this is not interesting. I, I want to be... Kind of not, not to direct like the the music in any ways, but just to have, I don't know, to, to see like the, the whole process, uh, from a creative point of view, to see how, I don't know, for me, the best thing is to go see a show that somebody is playing and to go after the show and say, let's make a record. Together and and see how the songs are shaping and we discuss who can mix it, who can master it, and who can make the artwork to, to complete. I'm not interested in something finished sent my way because it uh, it it could have been sent to to anybody and it will it will not make a, uh, it will not make a difference. So this is why I I kind of decided to to stop accepting demos uh, because it's. I know it's a it's a waste of time and, and I even though there are still people like, I know you don't get demos, but you know, uh can you listen to this? I, I always listen to everything that that we are being sent and Martin as well. But sometimes we very politely refusing or maybe we would give some um some feedback to the people, how can they improve their stuff? That silence. I mean, I take. Uh, I have a lot of things happening in my life, and I spend like an hour listening to to somebody's record, and I take the time to explain why I don't like it, or why and or how it can get better, and maybe we can release it and stuff like that. And people just want it to be like sent, approved, re- released, and and this is it's not it's not happening so yeah I prefer to to work as because as I uh, and for, for many people I'm like why would you if you are in Germany or in the UK or in, even in Greece why would you want to be released by, by Amic we are like a very small operation that it, it has its audience and stuff like that yeah i mean we have like loyal fans and stuff that like who buy our records like regularly and i'm really grateful for that but you have like 10 more times labels in germany just approach somebody closer somebody who can have like a, a personal contact with them like see them face to face like this become friends and stuff like that and that's something i i, I grew to appreciate more and more just having like a the opportunity to like really communicate and know the people, the people in, in person before we, before we release them, because we have some releases that I wish we didn't do oh, well, because yeah. uh, people turned out to be uh, not what I imagined, but yeah, you know, you learn and you, you, you learn not to, um, to, to make the same mistakes because for, for me, one, one thing is um, that is still very difficult is to, uh, to separate the art from the artist, and this is very something that I cannot learn to do. And if no matter how great the music is, if the person is a is a is a is a, is a bad person, I I can no longer enjoy the music.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand what you mean. And um, and how do you usually approach uh, the promotional part of the project?
1: Our main focus is is Bandcamp and we try to to direct everyone who is interested in Namek in any way to, to go there because like the, uh, the money goes directly to to the label and to, to the artists and uh it's like the the most fair um way to I don't know, to exchange your money for, for, for the music that you are interested in uh, in listening, but not, not only for the music. And I don't know, uh, the fact that like so many people follow us on Bandcamp, it makes me really happy that every time we have a new release, like thousands of people get notified about that and they can reach the music without any third parties, you know, without the help of media or um, anybody showing them, the way without social media or without this whole whole grind and what what i for, forgot to mention like it's uh for amec is a very we, we are mostly interested in physical releases like uh, tapes and vinyl these are like our for formats of choice for me this is like the the main focus i want the people to have the tapes at their homes and as some sort of artifact containing this music That guarantees that someday, if I or Martin get fed up with this and we delete the catalog, you still have your piece of this of this thing uh, that is that contains the music, and uh, you have the artwork, and you have like a very physical experience with it. We are not really uh, interested in like the you know the streaming services grind. Which I understand it's um, it's an it's a missed opportunity, and among our uh, New Year's resolution is to to improve this because right now our presence on like Spotify, iTunes, whatever Apple Music, it's uh, it's just I don't know the music is there if you want you can listen to it, but we don't push it. For, for me, like the the saddest part about like music in. The, two thousand twenty three and two thousand and twenty two is that it's less and less important um, to write a good review and less and less people are reading reviews less and less people are writing about music and this this makes me re- really sad because i've when I was a kid i like most of my taste was shaped thanks to music magazines and music websites and and opinions written by you know knowledgeable people about music. In my memory, I know by heart articles that have been written in Bulgarian magazines. I've read them so many times because you, I don't know, you have like five levels, you buy a magazine and you read it the whole month until the next one is out. I really miss miss like uh, music journalism, especially in, in Bulgaria. And in Western media, it gets like super selective because they're like... Of only a few online magazines that are doing reviews now, mm-hmm. and they're like so ever uh, so oversaturated with with releases that would actually make the people click that they are not they wouldn't care about a, no- a noise record from Bulgaria, you know. So even if I sent, because in the beginning, if we make like fifty tapes, at least five tapes would go uh, as physical promos to certain magazines or blogs or people who I know would cover the music. Now, nowadays I, I don't bother doing mm. this because...
0: Did it work sending... It example?
1: worked. It worked. Some people would write. Some people would never write. At some point I decided it's better give these copies away to people who cannot afford the music but who listen to that music. Instead of uh, sending it to somebody who might not even write about it and just throw it in mm. a bin or sell it on discogs or or whatever so so i decided yeah the music is there i can send you a download code if you want it i i still say send download codes to i don't know journalists i like or radio hosts that i like but maybe for for bigger releases and uh, mm. my focus is to to give this music to listeners not that not that much to to writers which might be wrong but for me it's um for me it's something that that works better. it's more i don't know I'm more interested in the in the contact with the listeners than somebody who who writes a column about i don't know Eastern European music or something like
0: that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but yeah, the streaming platforms. What I've noticed are like certain genres are just better for Bandcamp. And yeah, Bandcamp that's true. Rather. That's
1: true. And uh, you, it's it's a trade. I think if you if you put like all your focus on on streaming platforms, you kind of, I guess, like Bandcamp, which is not a streaming platform. Basically, Bandcamp yeah, is like it's, a it's like a music store. Exactly, yeah. it's, this is what it is. It's um, it's user interface. It's not as uh, smooth as Spotify. It's it's harder to find things on it in random it's harder to get like uh so good suggestions and stuff like that but
0: but the people actually are really caring about music they would save the music exactly they will, exactly they're digging for the if they like an artist they will dig for the label they'll dig for other releases well people mostly that uh, that are just streaming would uh, not that we want to put any categories but um, it's just the streaming platforms themselves like you you play a playlist but this playlist contains many artists but yeah. you, d- you don't care who it is you're just uh, doing stuff at home listening you rarely go to, to your phone and save this song for later or yeah, just even that's true. follow the artist actually I think just 1-2% of of the listeners from a playlist go to to follow the so artist ex-
1: yeah exactly exactly and uh, for example in ambient and in uh, uh, in streaming platforms we, we uh, recently talked about this with Evo from, from Stereo Fox shout out stereo yeah he's gonna come Uh, on the podcast too ah great Mm. and uh we were talking that there is like on streaming platforms there are many huge i mean huge playlists for ambient music and a lot of people make a lot of money from ambient on streaming platforms but then you have like a lot of artists who are you know they don't exist outside you know how do you call, call them like um fake artists you know that there is like just somebody makes music under different names and then they grind to get featured in these playlists they get like million streams from sleeping playlists meditation playlists and stuff like that but as you said this attention doesn't necessarily bring the listener to to not even to the artist but to to the album that this music is part of because 'Cause what we are what we're trying to create with AMEC is like we are creating albums and uh recently I saw this article that like um album is dead in two thousand twenty-three mm-hmm. and and to to a degree I can I can agree to this that it's um becoming more and more difficult to to make people sit and listen to, to a whole album without doing anything else and i see this in myself as well i'm even if i listen to a whole album i i might be reading a book or uh might be playing a video game or something like that or might be answering emails to have this like focused experience on one release while every day there is like a hundred records coming out that you want to listen it's it's very very difficult so so there will be some change of of the the dynamics and everything but this is why i find it find like bandcamp camp more uh suited for experiencing like the the thing in 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 whole in its in its entirety and another another thing that i like is that um like the funct- functionality of like listening to to a whole album and not skipping tracks and stuff like that uh, it's not hidden behind a uh, paywall because i recently a few months ago i stopped my spotify it's it's completely useless yeah yeah because i I try to to play a track by my own music you know I just wanted to hear something i I play the track and after that it jumped to some i don't know. Whatever pop folk song was like r- mm. ranked high in the Bulgaria, I don't know yeah, the algorithms, uh, algorithm. Algorithm, yeah. like well, why? It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. I mean, on, on computer it works okay, even if you're not paying like the subscription, but you don't have this problem with with Bandcamp.
0: Yeah, actually, many people don't know that um, even if you don't have a paid Spotify account, you can still um stream without the shuffle mode on your desktop
1: yeah on the on the desktop app you can you can do it and um but yeah on the phone it's it's like completely useless Mm. and i kind of kind of dislike that uh like even considering how how poorly poorly artists are paid on this on this platform and uh yeah we have we have the music there because i've seen on shows uh like younger younger people coming and they are showing me like a release on spotify and they're asking me hey do you have this on tape which mm-hmm. for me is okay if if this is the way they they reach our uh physical releases i'm okay with this trade to to have my to have uh the music of our label in a platform that is not really fair to artists and that invests you know in in companies who are develop developing weapons and shit like that, but yeah. uh, I'm I'm okay with this with this trade if it will help people to to listen to the music. But I don't want this to be my main focus for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned vinyl. Uh, how did did it change? Because we know that since COVID, it's it's really hard to get vinyl. Like how much how much time do you wait before um, a release? If somebody wants to put down a vinyl, what, what should they know? Like, vinyl
1: is a, is a very, is a very tricky format right now. And honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure and convinced that it's worth this, this effort and this price right now.
0: Let's say you want to make, um, six or eight tracks for a vinyl. How much would, would cost, let's say, 150 pieces or 200?
1: Yeah, let's say 200 and pieces. Uh, it will cost you around 2000 euro. Mm. I think mm-hmm. it's something like that. it's give or take. It's something like that, because you know, the more you, the more you, the more copies you make, the the cheaper it gets. But um, but at this pom- moment, first, like vinyl, by is by no means eco-friendly because yeah. it's not recyclable. It's yeah. also toxic for mm-hmm. the people who produce it. The second thing is that. It's an inferior format in terms of sound quality because you you definitely cannot compare it with with the c d quality or with the quality of a digital lossless uh file but on the other hand you have like this very huge like artifact like containing music it's 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 a it's a magical thing to to experience music on this on this thing it's like when i when i'm making music i don't perceive it as a musical piece until i hear it when the needle drops you know mm. this is when i hear okay yeah this this has its own life right now because with the file i can delete it my hard hard drive could could die and 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 it's gone you know the server might drop yeah, dead yeah, or exactly. something like that yeah. and with the vinyl you know that or with the tape or whatever you you know that 200 people or 300 or 1,000, they have this thing, you know, and uh, uh, it's kind of, I don't know, comforting to, to, to know that this music has has its own life now and they might rip it, they might upload it somewhere, they might share it and it's mm. way more preserved than like a, like on a file. So what I dislike about vinyl right now is that it's considered some sort of luxury product and it should not be like that. Yeah, yeah. It should be just a means to listen to music. It's simple as that. It's like the simple. Uh, it's as simple as buying a book or buying a newspaper. For me, this is what vinyl should be, and this is why we try to to keep the prices low and to keep them like fifteen euro, something like that. But in the same time, I go to a store and I see that whatever reissue of Led Zeppelin is like sixty left or something like that, and I'm like, are we stupid? Why are we selling our records for so cheap, you know, mm-hmm. while, while people are uh, okay with paying like 30 euro about a record that they can listen to in many, many other formats? So it's it's a tricky thing. And again, because of this hype about vinyl and because of... Uh, Covid uh, situation, like many factories closed, the chemicals that are needed for for the production of uh, of the records, um, they became scarce. They started raising prices. In the same time, the majors, uh, major labels, are coming with reissues and like t- releasing like thousands of Taylor Swift or Adele records and stuff like that, uh, like that. And they are keeping the few surviving like uh, record pressing plants busy Mm -hmm. so they don't have the time for us like small uh, labels with 200 releases or 300 or 100 and then and then you have to wait for sometimes even a year to pull out to see your record as a physical product and this is that's terrible for me
0: it's really Uh, like a status symbol or yeah. Um,
1: boutique product. And I kind of, uh, kind of dis- dislike this. And, uh, and in the same time, there are people who are, who are doing like vinyl runs of like 20 records or 30 records, like super small runs and, um, like, um, like late cuts or, um, vinyl that is cut in real time for each record and, uh, not pressed like, as it's supposed to be and i i i kind of dislike this because this is not really vinyl you know vinyl has to be pressed with the machine put out in bigger quantities so it can be accessible if you want to have 20 copies of something burn a cdr or make a tape or just upload the files and everybody can listen to it without having to say so, yeah i have I have a vinyl release. No, you don't have a vinyl release. You have like this souvenir thing that, uh, because if you go to Ducan Meloman here in Sofia, you can, uh, record, uh, a birthday wish on a vinyl, you know, or have your released, a release, pro, uh, dubbed in real time on, on one copy. Does it make, does this count as a vinyl release? Not, not, hmm, not in person. my opinion, you yeah. know, and, uh, So yeah, right now I would I would advise people to really consider: do they need this thing? Do they need this 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 music to be released specifically on vinyl? Because sometimes it's it's just not I don't know it's not it's not worth it. Uh, Do you
0: see any any hope in fixing things in the future, like getting? I think I think.
1: At some point, like this boom, this this balloon will again
0: burst, mm-hmm. and uh because on the other hand, it's actually I've read some statistics that uh, the the sales of vinyl have gone way up.
1: Yeah, they've gone, gone way, way up, but it's again, it's they have gone up mostly for. For the bigger labels, for the ones that that can afford to to really to reissue releases from their back catalog that have been uh, long sold out and stuff like that, they yeah. like for example the sales of Amec, they haven't been on the rise. Uh, like every release that that we make, because we we release vinyl since 2015, and we we kind of release one or two. LPs per year and the rest is all tapes
0: and where do you distribute it do you send it to shops yeah,
1: yeah we we send we have I don't know maybe we are not working with a distributor who takes care of things because we haven't been able to to create a, mm. a relationship with one because you know again we're from, yourself. we are a DIY operation we are from Bulgaria and uh, people don't don't trust I think they don't it's it's a risky business you know Mm. to buy 50 records from somebody you haven't heard before even even though they have been doing these things for a while so we have like uh, i don't know maybe 10 15 stores or mail orders in different countries like in germany in in japan in belgium in, uh, in in the uk from time to time in france and we in poland and um we kind of um, we kind of work with them. Mm, they, have, they have managed to to build like a small audience for our stuff among their audience. And uh, what we often do is like uh, in a very punk way, we we trade records, They send us their, their releases, we send them our releases, mm. and we send their music here to people who care about it. And they do that for hours, and I find this very uh, a very cool way to to bring new music to to Sofia, and yeah. uh, it's um,
0: build a community,
1: build a community, yeah. And uh, uh, what I what I've uh, found like recently, and, and this is why I think uh, uh, this trend with with vinyl it will it will stay for longer, but I think there will be the need for smaller factories to open
0: yeah yeah i was thinking since it's be, its business is booming why aren't many factories new new factories opening but maybe yeah, it's really because they don't know how
1: how how long it will last i think yeah. and uh thinking like that we used to have like a plant like this in bulgaria mm. that got like all the machines got sold mm. after you know the communism fell um imagine what would be to to have a pressing plan in your city? You know, I recently talked to a friend of mine in Berlin who uh, who self released his his record and uh, he he literally took a cab from his home, went to the plant, take his took his records, brought him to the to the studio. It's it's you know mm. this this way you you save at least a hundred euro on shipping for example something yeah, like that and yeah and uh and if we had this plan this would assure that people from greece would would press records uh people from serbia from macedonia from from romania like mm. if if there is if there are some rich people who want to invest in something make a please make a record plant in on the balkans because it would be very very useful for us you know um so yeah, it's um, it's it's again a very, a very community-based thing to, to exchange records and to to work with stores. And I think the one of the, one of the directions and one of the things that will I think we'll see a comeback in the future will be will be record stores. Hmm. And I've been working like very closely with with a few record store record stores here in Sofia and. Uh, i see that they actually managed to to sell to sell a lot of our stuff and uh, there's like random people just dropping by like tourists dropping by just who want to to get some music from from Bulgaria as a as a souvenir from for their time that they spent here so it's mm. it's very important to to support uh, record shops and not just live you know on the internet
0: yeah, yeah, and, uh, just brings a new life to, to music. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's been very, very interesting conversation. Before we wrap this up, do, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Also tell people where they can find you and Amak and, uh,
1: yeah, the best way to 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 find Amek is uh, on Bandcamp. Uh, it's ameccollective.bandcamp.com. Uh If anybody wants to to subscribe to to us for updates, you can follow us on uh, on Substack. We have like a monthly newsletter, and this is the safest uh, place to get information for us without like. Um, having to be on any like social media because i think this is something else that will change in the future and like influence of social media i think will start declining so we try to make sure people who are not on facebook or on instagram they can find information about us and um, i want to say like the most important thing is that um, music is um is like a social it's like a social thing. And, um, if you want to, to create music or release music or, um, you have to play live shows, you have to meet people, you have to talk with people in real life, you know, face mm-hmm. to face. And I just, I just want to, to say like, support your friends, support the people who are, uh, in your community, create connections because these things we will last for for life, and this is like the the truest and more you know most sincere form of of communication is through through music and through face to face like interaction with 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 people like support your scene and and the people who are creating stuff like right now in this moment because because they they will definitely you know not live forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Music brings people together. So yeah, that's so. true. That's true. Okay, okay. It's been a pleasure.
1: For me too. Thanks for, for having me.
0: For sure. Thanks for, for being part of, in this. Okay, people, stay tuned for uh, more episodes. You can always um, you know, click follow on, on your platform, either Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you'd like to. And um, yeah, see you soon.